Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Dr. Stephanie Compton. Dr. Compton is a researcher and registered dietitian bridging the gap between science and real life to educate about nutrition. She shares science education for health professionals and talks about nuanced nutrition information on her Instagram account, and she also researches cancer, nutrition, and metabolism. Dr. Compton is passionate about bringing nutrition science to life to help others bust through the BS, ask questions, and dig deeper. In the episode, she shares whether or not to change your habits based on news headlines, how to find trustworthy sources on social media, what she wishes people knew about nutrition, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store. That is until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Dr. Compton. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson certified nutrition coach and your host of the health investment podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week I interview experts and share no nonsense research backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Dr. Compton. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. I follow you on social media, which is phenomenal. You do such a great job on your Instagram page. And we will send everybody there. Um, But I also am part of your Nutrition Lab Pro, which is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because you created it, but it's essentially you help people in the nutrition space break apart research so that you can speak more from like an evidence-based, science-backed, I don't know, perspective. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) How would you say it? How would you say what what we do in there? Yeah, so I I created this membership platform called the Nutrition Lab Pro, uh, mainly because I I really wanted to help other people, like you said, nutrition professionals, fitness professionals, other health professions, um, be able to break down research. Because I know a lot of us don't get a ton of that like education, and so you know, as evidence based professionals, we're we're asked about things like this. Like people ask us, we see it on social media. Like our clients come to us with that kind of stuff, and so I wanted to create a membership platform that would help 
those professionals break down research in kind of an evidence-based way, like you said. So that's kind it's of the, really the meat potatoes of it. Yeah, I really, I really like it. Um, and it's, it's also a cool place where we can kind of meet together too and like do like journal clubs and like ask questions, that kind of thing. Um, so I've really loved the Nutrition Lab Pro and I'm happy that you're a member also. Yeah, I mean, I have learned a ton and I just feel so much more confident now. Um, I signed up for... And this could be interesting for listeners as well. There's a platform called Stork and you oh, yeah. can get the, mm-hmm. you know, different research sent to you. You can create a whole search. Um, but I get those in my email now and it's awesome. just really Yay. interesting to have like daily research sent that, you know, I set all the specifications. So I get meta analyses and about weight loss and nutrition and, all the different things. And I've just, yeah, I've learned a ton from you. So I'm excited to now share your knowledge with my audience. Yes, of course. Can you start out by just telling us a bit about your background and what led you to become a nutrition, metabolism, and cancer researcher and registered dietitian? All of the things. Yeah, yeah all the things, honestly. You're barely um, qualified. I mean, <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of things going on and it's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> So my, my background, a little bit on that, I, you know, I always kind of describe my journey into nutrition as me trying to find the secret. Um, I started out my undergrad just as a biology major and um, was really interested in metabolism in general. Um, and that kind of led me into thinking, okay, well, what happens when like we eat food? Because no one talked about that in, in any of my classes. So it was a nutrition major. So I kind of got interested in that. And I also, I wanted to know the secret, right? Like I was on my own nutrition journey and I was like, there's something out here that I don't know. I want to know what it is. And like, I want to learn more about nutrition. And so, you know, I get into my, my master's, I did it in community nutrition and dietetics. And then I discovered that there isn't actually a secret. (laughs) And I just have put it on this pedestal. There being some like really secretive thing of what nutrition really is, which is both like, at first I was like, wow, that's, I'm very surprised at that. And then after that, I was kind of, actually, that's really freeing that like, I already, I already knew what to do. It's just how we implement it and how we change and how we can make those individual personalized changes to our nutrition. That's how it makes it good for us. Right. Mm. And so I, I loved finding that out. And then I, I kind of got to it where I, I was originally going to be a, just a registered dietitian and had thought about doing a PhD. Um, turned out that I couldn't afford the traditional RD route. And so I kind of stumbled upon following my love of, of metabolism, stumbled upon a lab that studied cancer metabolism. And that is where I fell in love with cancer research. And mm-hmm. so um, in, in my PhD, that is what I studied. I studied ovarian cancer metabolism, kind of looking at like what fuel sources are those cells using to make energy, that kind of thing. And then just followed that into what I'm doing now. I'm a postdoctoral fellow who's studying um, cancer in more of a clinical sense and how that's related to nutrition and metabolism. So wow. that's kind of how it all ties together. Um, but in, in relation to what I do on social media and what I do through like my membership platform, I kind of started that as a way to practice science communication and to really help other people bust through the BS. Because like I said, I started out saying, what's, what's the secret, right? Like I want to know all the stuff. And I saw all of the, that's when like Instagram was really young. <laughs> so it was like really, really wild west out there of like what kind of nutrition information was out on the internet. And so once I learned better, I wanted to help other people also learn about the science of nutrition. And so it kind of started out as this like side, just science communication, like passion area and really morphed into like 
you know, once I started getting into like my PhD, I wanted to help other professionals with the skills I was learning in my PhD. And so it kind of morphed into both helping people learn about the science of nutrition, but also helping pros who are, you know, out in the field doing this every single day, helping them also kind of get their science communication and getting their like research skills up to where they can feel confident helping other people with that too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of how it, it's morphed from there, but you know, yeah. I, I really liked, you know, being able to bring in all those things together. I was going to say, but you kind of answered it yourself. Were you just totally bummed when you discovered there wasn't a secret? But <laughs> yes. You said you, it was Absolutely. free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, for, you know, at first I was totally bummed from it because I was like, Oh wow. Like I did all this and there wasn't actually like a secret. Like, okay. But then I was like, actually, no, like this, this makes it like even better because now it's like, I'm not just missing like one secret thing. It's actually like, you know, things that we can implement in different ways across our lifespan to help us implement nutrition, you know, and in whatever way fits us best, which is like, you know, so much more freeing than like Mm -hmm. there's being one thing that works. (laughs) It is freeing, but it's unsexy in terms of- Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Having an Instagram account. It's like Mm -hmm. to say- eat fruits and vegetables, go to bed, manage your stress, get steps. I mean, this stuff, I wish it was more glamorous, but I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on your mindset about it, right? If you take the approach of, oh, this is really freeing. These Mm -hmm. are the things that I kind of know work. And so if I just do these things consistently, I don't have to keep looking for some magic pill or secret, Mm -hmm. but it is difficult when there are accounts out there claiming that they have some secret and that nobody knows about it. And they're the only one who knows, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of speaking along those lines, how can somebody understand if who they're following is promoting evidence-based recommendations versus some kind of, I don't know, snake oil, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I usually look for a couple of red flags. And I've talked about this before, you know, on on my Instagram, too, for other people to look for those red flags. Also, Um, I don't think that you have to be a scientist to be able to say like, oh, this person is not evidence based, right? There's certain things that we typically see with accounts like that, that can give us maybe like, you know, a little and maybe a little hint in the back of our mind, maybe maybe I should look into this more, I should ask another opinion, right? And so those red flags I usually look for, um, the first thing I, I tend to look for is if someone has some kind of credential or education behind that, that's, you know, a generally helpful thing. It's not going to hold true for everyone, right? There's plenty of people who do not so evidence-based things who have credentials and vice versa. Um, but that's the, at least one part to look for first. I also am very much a person who, if, if I'm looking at an account and I see somebody who does not leave room for it depends, that is a big red flag for me. So I'm, I'm more of a somebody who is, you know, I'm looking for nuance. I'm looking for both sides. If someone is saying this is the only way, and if you do anything else, it is wrong. It is bad. It is whatever. That's usually a red flag for me. So that's when you get into like, Oh, the carnivore diet is the only diet you should follow. Or the keto diet is the only diet you should follow when it's like, there may be like, you know, some, some things in there where it's, that's not the only thing out there, right? Like there's other stuff. And so if they're not leaving room for it depends or for even like personalization of saying like, you know, this is the only thing for everybody. I think that's a red flag to look for. Um, kind of along those lines of like the lack of nuance, I would say also like not considering the implementation and how that could be implemented with someone. It's kind of the same thing when people 
are kind of almost like conspiracy theory. That's kind of what I was trying to go toward of they are the only ones with the answer and everyone else is lying to you. That's another thing that I typically am like, "Mm, I don't know about that, right? Like it's, it's giving conspiracy when there probably isn't actually one. Um, And if their information generally agrees with other people in that field, like if they are off in left field saying something and other professionals who are also claiming to be evidence-based say something completely different. And that's what the majority of them say. That person is probably wrong. Right. Mm. So those are the, the, few red flags that I tend to look for. And those are things that like are usually pretty obvious, right? If you, mm-hmm. somebody is not leaving room for it, depends if someone is really spreading conspiracy. If somebody is completely off in left field doing something completely different than everyone else, that's usually some big red flags you can look for. Mm-hmm. When I've spoken to physicians on here, they you know get very frustrated with this whole idea of there are some physicians that are saying, you know, everybody else is lying to you and here's the answer. And they're like, no, we went into this to help people. If I had the answer, I would tell it to you. If it was some supplement or detox, if that actually worked, I would be shouting it from rooftops because I want to help you. And so if there's this one person saying everybody else is lying to you and I'm the one with the magic pill, that's when you should just really be skeptical. Yes, absolutely. Big, big big questions to go into that and big skepticism for sure. I think also, uh, you know, people post the question stickers now in their stories and say, you know, ask me anything. And what I have found cool is typically when I follow somebody who, you know, follows the science and speaks about very evidence-based stuff, I'll ask in their question box, who are some of your favorite evidence-based accounts to follow? And then I get more. And then when those people post a question box, I ask who are some of your favorite evidence-based accounts to follow. And so that I think is another way to kind of broaden your scope because it can be hard to know when you're just sifting through and something sounds really good and people say it as if it's fact. And so I don't know. That's one thing I've seen recently of, um, I'm thinking of specifically Dr. Adrian Chavez. Do you, yeah. Do you, mm-hmm. yeah. So he posted yeah. the other day or somebody asked him a question, you know, who do you follow? And he posted like 10 accounts and mm-hmm. I went and followed all of those. And so I think that can be really helpful to kind of. Yeah. I find love that people. hack too. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a great <laughs> hack to do. And a lot of people post that question box now. So, yeah, you know. Pick the brains of the people you follow and you know are science backed. Uh, Speaking of research, so we have social media on one hand. So those are great tips of finding evidence-based practitioners on there. What about news headlines? So I'm thinking, for example, of a news headline that says something like, coffee is bad for you. And maybe two months ago, there was a headline that said coffee is good for you. And I have so many potential clients who come to me and they say, I'm just completely confused and overwhelmed because one day eggs are good. The next day eggs are bad. Same with coffee, with meat, all these things. There's just all of this confusion. What goes through your mind when you see, let's say, the New York Times post something like, up? Oh, turns out everything we knew about coffee is wrong and it's bad for you. What is, what is your thought process going through that? Ooh, good question. Um, 
I tend to be just automatically skeptical <laughs> with news headlines. I'll be honest with you. And, you know, I'm usually going to like, mm, let's, let's dig deeper. Right. So I kind of start off with that baseline of like, I want to know more than what you're just telling me in this headline. So like, if, if you do nothing else, like I hope that you ask questions just about headlines in general. Um, I, I have found some news outlets have gotten a little bit better with theirs, but honestly, like headlines are meant to grab attention and they are not going to tell you everything that you need to know about that science from just the headline because they want you to click, right? Like they're going to tell you the, the most like fancy, hardcore, whatever they're going to be able to pull out of there, right? They're not going to tell you the nuance. So I usually, I, when I see that, I stop. I'm like, okay, let's look deeper. Um, if they don't link the study that they're talking about, I'm usually like, okay, well, I'm done with you, right? Like I, because I want to know where you got what you're saying. If they don't tell me where they got what they're saying, then I obviously don't know if it's true or not. And so um, if they do link the study, though, I usually will follow it. And I, I know typically I say don't just read the abstract, but if you are somebody who's just like looking at, you know, you're scrolling your phone, you're looking at news article headlines and you want to know, like, is this something I should think about or is this something I should bring up to somebody or is this something that I should apply? Looking at just the abstract, which is like the summary at the beginning of a paper, um, that's usually always free and available to everybody. Cause that's another thing. A lot of articles are going to be behind a paywall, but the abstract will always be available. And so if you can at least get access to that and see, okay, was this an irrelevant population? Was this in people? Is this something that is actually what the headline is saying? Those are going to be the three things that I'm mainly looking for. And even if though all three of those things are yes, I'm still going to take it with a grain of salt because it's usually just one study. Um, and we wouldn't typically apply just one study. It, it helps us gain knowledge of things. So it could be like really interesting and really powerful for how we understand something, but it's still not something we would go out and like, oh, I'm going to go change my diet because of this one study, or like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to exercise in this way because of this one study. We wouldn't typically do that because that's not how like actual evidence-based practice typically works. And so even if like the news article was perfect and they said exactly what the study said, I would still take it with a grain of salt just because it's one study. Mm -hmm. um, I think it can be a really powerful way for people to learn about upcoming science, especially like really um, like, I guess, thought provoking studies tend to get news articles written about them. And it can be a good way for the public to learn about that kind of stuff. But it just takes a little bit of like, we don't want to jump the gun and say like, oh, well, this, this study said that coffee is bad for me today. So I'm going to go out and throw out my all my coffee, especially with nutrition research, because it's it can be really variable. And so it's just important to kind of consider this is a new study, but what does the rest of the field say? And like, what would what would a a professional help me with, or like, what have I heard before about this? Um, and how can I take it all together? You said a key word there, humans. Can you yes. explain more what you mean by was the study done in humans? <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so my so background, my PhD was studying cell lines, it like mouse cell lines and human tissue samples, which is what we would call preclinical. It is it is cells in a dish, it's not a person. Um, we need to do that research. It's very important that that research is done, but we cannot take that research and then automatically say, okay, well, I'm going to go do the same thing because we are not cells in a dish. Um, and we're not even mice in a cage. Like we are very different as people because we have so much going on with us. We're not in a controlled environment. We have access to like 
you know, whatever we want at any time. We generally have other influences like socioeconomic factors and like political factors and our built environment and like how we live our life. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into us. And so in order to apply something that's been done in those early like types of studies into humans, it takes iteration because humans are so different. Um, And we have to consider multiple layers of factors. And so that's why it's not necessarily super useful to see like a study that's been done in mice or in cells and then go off and change our diet or change our like lifestyle patterns based on that, because we are so different that it takes some iteration. Mm -hmm. So let's say you saw the coffee is bad for you headline. Mm -hmm. The, The news article actually does provide a link to the study. So you click through that and then you act, you get access to the abstract for free and you're reading it. And it says in mice, mm-hmm. do you just automatically think, okay, this was not a human study. And so I'm not even going to think this is applicable to me at all. I, I kind of take it a little bit more moderate, I guess I would say mostly because like I do, there is value in my studies. Right. But when, if, if somebody like if a client had reached out to me and said, Hey, I saw this study, should I implement this? I would say no, Apple is absolutely not. Right. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's the, like the science that's like, yes, we need to do it, but like, no, we don't need to implement it. It's, mm-hmm. it's holding both of those things. And I, I actually just made a post about this on Instagram yesterday of like holding those ands together. But if you are just a person looking at headlines and you see a mouse, that is not something that you need to implement in your life. Yeah. You, you should wait and see and kind of listen to what the the field and professionals and like people are saying about it. And I know it is very provocative. You know, there's a lot of people on Instagram that will take single studies and they'll make content about it and then they'll try to implement it and pay people and say you should implement it. But just be cautious with that because we don't always do that, even if it's like a very nice mouse study, like we Mm -hmm. would still not directly implement it. It's useful to think about, but not to like go out and change your life right then. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I actually read that post that's recent of yours of how to just really embrace the and how two things can be true at the same time. And I think on the last slide, you said the word nuance Mm -hmm. and just that's lost a lot of the time. Because again, it's not as exciting to mm-hmm. have a it's an Instagram funny. post yeah, with nuance or, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody asks in the comments, you know, does X whatever and you say, well, it depends. Like that's not as catchy mm-hmm. as the other person who's just saying, absolutely, carbs are bad. Give up all carbs. I mean, those people just kind of garner more attention, I think, because they're just saying these kind of crazy things. And we go on social media maybe to be kind of shocked and wowed a part of us does. And so if you're just scrolling and it's like, Oh, somebody else telling me to go to bed and somebody else telling me to eat more vegetables, it just can feel boring. Or Mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm going to link that exact post of yours in the show notes. So somebody can go look at that. And I think it just really speaks volumes to kind of how we should be processing and understanding social media and realizing there should be nuance and that two truths can exist at the same time. I think we forget that a lot of the time. Yes. <laughs> uh, you kind of hinted also to the limitations of nutrition research. Can you get more into that of why it's such a hard field to study? <laughs> I mean, it's Oh, for sure. I could spend years talking about yeah. this one subject. Um, so I, I do nutrition research for everyone listening. Um, and I do nutrition and cancer research, which is a, it's a whole bag of worms. Um, but I would say I both sometimes want to flip tables over how complicated and like 
messy nutrition research is. And at the same time, I absolutely love it because I feel like it is like the ultimate application of science in real life. And I love bringing that together. Um, with nutrition research, it is so difficult to do um, mainly because, you know, you could do it in cell lines and in mice and that's all great and good. And that tells you like really like tiny details of what we need to know about nutrition, but then you'd have to do it in humans and it's like, okay, well that tastes gross, or I'm going to lie to you about what I ate because we don't like to admit that what we ate, right. Um, we're kind of conditioned to not do that. Or like, I can't afford that because my socioeconomic status is different or, um, I'm undergoing this like you know, cancer treatment, for example, and I don't feel like doing this. And so it adds in that real life aspect. And then you can even get further and say, okay, well, if we can implement it in humans, then like, can we put it in like a bigger population of people? Because then it's like, okay, well, can just the general person who's coming to like a dietitian or a nutrition coach, like actually be able to get this information and use it. So it's like this whole spectrum of how we can actually like take into account the really hard science and the really real life and bring it together. And so that's what makes it so difficult though, is that you, there's so many influences to it that you have to kind of parse out, like, what can I look at and what's still missing and where can I go next? And so that's what I really like about doing that kind of research, because I love bringing the real life into the science, but I can also say, okay, I'm going to look at it from this angle. And then I'm going to look at it from this angle. And like, those will complement each other because we need to look at it from multiple angles in order to be able to say like, oh yeah, like we, we know what we're doing. Like this is, <laughs> this is something we can actually put in humans and this is something humans actually like. Um, and, but that's the thing is like when you do that research and when you see that research on the internet, you have to think about like all of those different things and you have to think about like, okay, well, can't, the, did humans actually implement it? Did they kind of fib about it? Cause we tend to fib about things, especially nutrition. Um, could we actually do this in a different population or like a bigger population? And then like, how is that related to like our everyday eating? So mm -hmm. I, I just love the spectrum of it and how you can like spile it all together and look at it for multiple different ways. Yeah. It, to me, when I start thinking about it and going down that rabbit hole, it just, I mean, I'm glad you light up and get excited <laughs> about it because it feels debilitating to me to think yeah. about in terms of, mm -hmm. let's say you wanted to study deli meat. And so you, try to run a study on that. But then, I mean, even isolating that variable, I mean, people are moving different amounts or sleeping different amounts or mm -hmm. eating different amounts of fruits and vegetables. I mean, just to get accurate information about deli meat just seems so hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you hit it on the head. Really. It, it, it does get like, you can, you can slice it so many ways and look at so many different variables because, and that's what makes it hard to study people because we're just like outliving our lives. Like, yeah. Free, free to do whatever we want versus like, you know, mice, they live in a cage and we can control everything we give them and like that kind of thing. Right. So it's, it, it is, it becomes this like, what do they call that? Like wicked problem where it's yeah. like, there's so many different ways to answer it. Um, but I think that, you know, it kind of goes into nutrition is always going to be a wicked solution. Also, like there's so many different ways we can implement it and make it individual. And that's one thing that makes it powerful, but also really hard to study. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one -on -one coaching program. 
Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. And again, why somebody then says some crazy headline about deli meat, like you have to understand like the, how, how do they know that? Right. Or yes, exactly. Did they put humans in a airtight locked container and like only feed them deli meat and have them sleep mm-hmm. the exact same amount. And they all have the same genetics. Like, you know, that those studies are impossible to do. And like you said, mm-hmm. we need to have studies on things and there's limitations, but we can still get a lot. But it, if anybody is out there spewing these just crazy thoughts about, you know, I don't know, nutrition, mm-hmm. it just, you take it with a grain of salt. Because- yeah. And I, I want to point out too, one thing that you said is that you said like there's some of those studies to, to design are impossible. Yeah. And I think sometimes I've even seen on the internet of people saying, well, they aren't even doing studies on this. So like, it's a conspiracy that they don't want us to get better, but it's like, it would, it would be impossible to test what you're asking to test. Like we can't test how every single thing that we eat and are exposed to at all times, every single day affects our hormones or something like that. Like we, we can't test that the way that you're even saying it. And so is it a conspiracy or is, do you just not understand? We right. cannot do it. Yeah. So it's, it's leaving out that it depends on that like nuance of both strengths and weaknesses of studies. Like we need both. And it's, if you can't look at both, sometimes it's really hard to get that. It depends. And the ethics of it. I mean, yeah. with cancer mm-hmm. research, you can't give a human cancer to then mm-hmm. study how different nutrition affects that or something like you have to do cell yeah. studies or can you even mm-hmm. do rodent studies with cancer or you mostly just do like yeah. cell and petri okay okay yeah but i mean yeah it's it's a whole yes. my mind just starts <laughs> exactly. going crazy <laughs> which yeah. i i think is better than just taking what somebody's saying at face value like it's better to understand all the nuance because then i think you read headlines differently mm-hmm. and like you said For you sure. become a natural skeptic when you read something mm-hmm. and you don't just automatically give up eggs or coffee every yes, other week exactly. mm-hmm. <laughs> and then reintroduce it back in. Yes. What are some of the biggest nutrition misconceptions you see circulating right now? I'm sure over the years it changes, but what are yeah. some things that I'm sure there's a million, but. Oh yeah. I, I could come up with a list and you're right. It does change. Like I feel like it cycles. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. Like when I feel like whenever I first started on social media, it was like, these really, really outlandish claims. Like I would find posts saying like, if you eat five almonds a day, like it will make cancer explode. And I'm like, how do we, how would you say that? Like, how would you know that? Um, So it's like, it can go anything from like that outlandish to things that are like, it sounds like it should be something that should be right. And there's like a grain of truth to it, but everything else is kind of pulled out of context. Um, So like, I, one thing I've seen recently too is like the whole like carrot salad to detox estrogen. It's like, Oh, that kind of sounds, it kind of sounds right, but it's like not actually, or like seed cycling that comes mm. and goes too. I've seen that over the years um, where people say like, Oh, well, if you eat like these certain seeds during your menstrual cycle, like it will help your menstrual cycle and your hormones, which is like, 
we have not tested that like that. It's not something that we've actually like know for sure that if you eat exactly a tablespoon of flax seeds, it's going to do this. Um, and so it's, it's these like really, it's both the outlandish trends of like that kind of stuff, like in, even like carnivore diet or like, you know, doing things where it's like the liver king kind of stuff. That's like, that's current kind of current to like chlorophyll drops or like certain supplements. It's, it's just a variety of things and they tend to cycle. So it's like things that I saw like way back in the day, like alkaline water, I feel like it's really old, but it comes back mm-hmm. like so often that I'm like, yep, we're still talking about alkaline water. Here it comes like, again. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So, so oftentimes, like if you spend enough time, like looking at this stuff, you'll be like, oh, okay. Like I I've seen this before and I know better, or it's like something slightly different, but kind of the same vein. So uh-huh. there's, there's a lot that that's going around on the internet. And, and honestly, like things like TikTok have not made it better either. Cause that, that stuff goes so viral so quickly. Um, but you know, it just kind of iterates over yeah, years of years. Sure. I know, because yeah. you see something and then you see it has 2 million likes or something. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's only the mm-hmm. likes. That's only the people that liked it. So the mm-hmm. number of people who have seen it, I mean, I think you can see video views too, but it's crazy. It's like, yeah. it gets out there because it's this shocking mm-hmm. headline. Flashy, yeah. Yeah, it's not just saying did you have any water today or did you eat fruits and vegetables? It's somebody (laughs) saying, if you haven't been tracking this, then you've been doing it all wrong. Or I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. Do you have any favorite evidence-based nutrition books or do you kind of stay away Mm. from? No, that's a good question. I actually had asked for um, like pros to give me recommendations because I will fully admit to you. And I fully admit in my stories, I am like so far I, I, I spend so much of my time reading like actual research that I don't tend to read like nutrition books. I know that there are some out there um, that I like have been recommended to me, but I have not been able to read them and vouch for them. So I tend to just say like eh, nutrition books can be a toss up. There are some good ones that are out there, um, but more often than not, I would say a lot of the general nutrition books that you would find at like Barnes and Noble or like Target or, you know, another like bookseller store a lot of those are going to be a little bit more on the pseudoscience side. And sometimes there are a lot on the pseudoscience side. And that's because with, with those kind of like publications, they don't have to show their sources. They don't have to get it peer reviewed and anybody can publish anything because they can self publish. So you don't even have to like always go through a publisher to be able to put a book on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tend to be very wary with like any book out there, but I do know that there are some out there. Um, I can see if I can find that list and share it with you, but that other people recommended again, I can't vouch for them because I have not read them, but other people have recommended them to me. Um, but in general, I usually take them with a big grade of salt too. And like documentaries too, right? Yes, for sure. (laughs) Yes. Documentaries are just, they create them because they have an agenda. Yes. Or they create them by pulling on emotion or like creating drama where there isn't any actually. So yeah. Yeah. Like that. What about email kind of summaries? So I know, or I think I know that like examine.com, mm-hmm. are you familiar with that? Yeah. That yeah. They publish kind of, I think it's five research summaries a month and you can subscribe to their listserv. And so in your yeah. inbox, they'll take five of kind of the top headlines and then you click through and you can just read what the study was mm-hmm. about, what kind of they decide 
was worth it or not in terms of, you know, the results. Um, do you, do you believe in like subscribing to something like that for just the general population or do you have another one you like? Um, so actually I, I'm pretty familiar with examine. Like I've looked at their website cause, um, I have heard that one come up several times and honestly, I think they have really great nuanced information. I think that that would be a great place for like, whether you're a pro or whether you're just somebody interested in nutrition. Like I really think that what they put out has been anything I have seen has been really well, like written it's written for a general audience, but it also still includes a lot of the nuance. So I, I personally do like examine. I know they have a whole website too, where you could go in and look for like certain topics. Um, and like actually find like things that will link to like, oh, if I want to look at what BCAs are, like what they're used for. Or, and maybe I'm interested in taking a melatonin supplement. Like I know they have a lot of stuff on their website with that. So I, I personally like examine. Yeah, for sure. They do a lot with supplements. And I know they have a membership style site yeah. where you can get more access if you pay per month or per year or whatever. But the free ones they do per month, I think they're pretty cool because they usually break down some headline that you've probably seen circulating mm -hmm. social media. And then they kind of tell you, okay, here's what's really going on with this headline. And like yeah. you said, you can go to their website and search for past additions too. So, um, that could be a good resource if somebody's listening and you're like, I don't know what's what, <laughs> like, I don't know what's yes, facts. I don't know what's fiction sure. just <laughs> to get your hands on some, uh, quality information. Uh, you did a three part series on this on Instagram, just what you wish more people knew about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I would love, I don't know if you remember the three parts, but, uh, just yes. what do you wish people knew more about nutrition? For sure. Um, I mean, you know, I kind of got asked this question. It's been a while since I originally got asked it, but I think it's such a useful thing to keep reiterating. And so I had made those reels about that kind of thing. Um, I think some of the things that I wish people knew more about nutrition is that like, sometimes it's not like, it's not meant for one thing. It's not something that you have to focus on, like just shrinking, for example, that was one of the examples that I gave. Like, I, I don't think that nutrition is just meant to be a, a means to an end to make yourself smaller. Like there are so many other things that nutrition is useful for that are not just that, like totally. Okay. I'm, I'm of the mind, like if you, that's what you want to do. Like, I'm not against that. Like I totally believe in like, you know, body autonomy, that kind of thing. Um, but sometimes I feel like we get into this, like it's only for that. And it's not really only for that. Um, I also had one where I said nutrition is real life and a science because sometimes I feel like people get either too far in the science or they get too far in the real life. And it's like, you kind of have to think of both. Like it's, it's such a cool application of like, we can ask science questions and we can apply it in real life. And it's such a cool field to be able to do that in. Um, and that's one thing that I really wish like, you know, more people kind of thought about whenever they're looking at nutrition research or like, you know, thinking about it in real life too. Um, let me see if I can find another one too. Um, one thing I had said to you is, uh, not everyone is an expert, um, just because someone acts or looks a certain way, that doesn't mean that they automatically have expertise. Um, sometimes people do use their bodies as business cards to say like, I know what I'm talking about because look at me, but that's not necessarily something that, you know, is <laughs> like the super common thing, right? And you don't have to look like that. Or you don't have to look like a certain way. Um, and you want to be looking for more of those red flags than just what someone looks like when you're looking for nutrition information online. Um, and then I think I had one more, let me see if I can find it real quick. But I mean, honestly, like a lot of those things, 
I, I just wish there was more talk about that on the internet because I feel like sometimes we, we forget <laughs> some of those things whenever yeah. we're talking about and looking at nutrition. Um, but honestly, I also I also wish that people really understood that they don't have to do it like one certain way. Like you can implement what you need to implement and you can change it and it will change over the course of your life. Um, it's finding what works for you in the time and life and pattern that you're in um, and tweaking it to where it fits you better rather than it's like, I have to follow this person's diet and this person's protocol and like do this exact supplement regime or something like that. Right. Or I ate this way in my thirties mm-hmm. and now I'm in my forties exactly. and I have to keep eating this way. Cause it worked once. It's like, it can evolve. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Can you explain a term like hormone balancing? I see this all the time and mm-hmm. how somebody will say balance your hormones or, I mean, they're saying all sorts of things about it, but how is that mm-hmm. so much more complex than somebody is suggesting? Oh, for sure. So I, I also have a post on this, if you want to link that one in the show notes too, um, with hormone balance. And, and there's just a lot of these, they sound really sciencey words that people throw out. So you could hormone balance is a good one. Um, inflammation. That's also a good one. Um, a lot of people do this with cancer. Also, they'll say like, Oh, this causes cancer or like, this is linked to cancer or something like that. There's just a lot of like really broad things that people kind of throw out when in reality, it's like, that's so broad that does it actually mean anything anymore? And the answer is usually no. So like with hormone balance as the example, I always say like, okay, if we're talking hormone balance, which hormones are we talking about? Because we have a lot of different hormonal influences, like they, they do a lot of different things. And, you know, I'm not an endocrinologist and it's just Like even I don't know some of these things, right? Because I don't study hormones specifically. So which hormones are we talking about? What does that balance actually look like? Like, is it, they're not all supposed to be the same. Are, is one supposed to be increased and the other decreased? Or is one supposed to be this level and the other one this level? Like what, what does balance actually mean? Um, and are they supposed to change? So a great example of like a nutrition related hormone that's really popular right now is like insulin. So people are like, oh, I need to lower my insulin curve. Like I don't want an insulin response when it's like, well, your, your insulin levels are supposed to change if you eat a meal. Like that's, <laughs> it's supposed to happen. Like that's the whole point of the insulin, right? And so like, is it actually bad that your insulin's changing or is that what you're supposed to do? And so a lot of people are like almost turning that into this thing they have to micromanage and like, it's bad if it changes when actually it's not, it's supposed to happen, right? So is it supposed to change is another great question I tend to ask. Um, I would also say, is this person qualified <laughs> to talk about hormones? Um, unless it is an endocrinologist or someone who has more advanced training in hormones, honestly, I would say like, not really. Um, there's a lot that goes into hormones and it's really complicated subject. And so if, if they did like a two week hormone course, they're probably not qualified to talk about it. Um, and then I would say, is this an actual problem or is it just marketing? It's kind of going back to the insulin example. Like, is it really a problem of that that's happening in like a regular, like population, like just overall, or is it them marketing something like either their coaching or that their continuous glucose monitor or like, you know, their ebook or something like that. And then I would say like, would we know the fix is an actual fix? Like, would we know that the carrot salad actually detoxes estrogen? 
Mm, probably not. Right. <laughs> so it's like asking questions like that when you see those really big buckets of stuff can really be helpful in like determining like, is this something I should like, should I go eat a carrot salad? Should I go get a continuous glucose monitor? Or is it just like, if I ask a few questions, can I dig a little deeper and like get to where I'm like, okay, that's maybe not something I need to do right now. And maybe I can ask someone else about it. Or maybe it's like just something that somebody's trying to sell me. Right. I mean, to know about the carrot salad, for example, you Mm -hmm. would have to go get a lot of blood work done at different points, Mm -hmm. right? To measure your estrogen level before the carrot salad, while eating the carrot salad, after eating. I mean, I don't think anybody out there is doing that. So you don't actually Mm -hmm. know. I mean, maybe you feel like you have more energy or something and then somebody will say, oh, it worked. My hormones are balanced. I have more energy, Mm -hmm. but maybe you also just slept more the night before. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so many different (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, maybe eating the carrot salad added some vegetables and yeah. you hadn't been eating them before. I mean, if that's what, if that's what gets you eating vegetables, I guess, but at the same time, like right. it's not because that's detoxing your estrogen, it's because you're eating carrots. Right. Yeah. So it's like, is this, is this just because I happen to start doing this or because it actually is like doing it? Like, is it fixing it the way it says it's going to? For sure. Such a good point. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Oh, I love that. To me, and especially based on our conversation today, I would say making the health investment is being curious enough to really get into all the health information that you see on the internet and saying, is this something that I need and I need to change or I can implement even just in general? Or is there some some other way that I can make an investment in my health, whatever that means, that would be better for me or would actually be evidence-based or would fit into the rest of my life. Mm. I think there's so many ways that we can make investments in our health, you know, again, whatever that health happens to be, like whatever you're focusing on, but finding something out there and kind of digging deeper and asking questions about the stuff that you see on the internet will save you a lot of time and money and effort and energy that you could spend doing something that would actually be helpful and fit into your life rather than just something that's really shiny. Like yeah. About. So that, that's, that's my takeaway from our conversation. No, I think, I think yeah, is. such a great yeah. point. And just the other day, I was talking to a client who is just like stressed to the max going through a really difficult time right now. And then she came to me and she said, I just found this new strength training routine. I think I should start. And I was like, honestly, I don't know, because like, that's just going to be more stress on your body, right? Like by definition, Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. You're you're stressing out your muscles. And I said, what if maybe right now it's just like sleeping and thinking that sleeping is just as good for you as strength Mm -hmm. training that you can do down the road. And she was like, oh my God, thank you. Like, yes, I don't really actually want to do this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, could you just go to bed 10 minutes earlier? It's not always just push and push and add more. Sometimes it's take stuff away or just do the boring stuff. Give yourself the space and the freedom to go to bed or to read a book. You know, all of these things can help just as much as the flashy thing that you see. Yeah. Exactly. No, I love that point. And I think sometimes we forget that it doesn't have to constantly be like, I'm going to push as hard as I can towards getting like this health investment, do all of the possible things and overhaul my entire lifestyle to do it all at once. It can, it can literally be as easy as starting with one thing and adding on as you go and just investing in something that is actually going to fit in your life other than just spending a bunch of money on like a coaching program or like another ebook and not actually feeling like you're doing anything with it. For sure. Yeah. 
I know everybody's going to want to follow and find you. I already mentioned I'm going to link a couple of your Instagram posts, but what is your Instagram? Where are you all over the interwebs? Yeah. So my Instagram, I'm mainly on Instagram. Um, I am at stuff.compton.phd. So you can find me there. If you are coming from there, send me a DM and say hello. I would love to chat. Um, but that, that's where the main place I'm on. Um, I also, I have a newsletter I need to start up again. It kind of fell off as I finished my PhD, but I'm hoping to get that started again in 2023. So that's another place you can go, but I can find me there. Oh, awesome. Where do you sign up for your newsletter? It's in the link in my bio. Oh, great. Okay. I don't know if I'm signed up for that. I will do that myself. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us today. I know everybody is going to go follow you on Instagram and learn so much more. Just very appreciative for you being here, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.